0: Chapter five of The Friendly Terrace Quartet, or Peggy Raymond at the Poplars, by Harriet lemus Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter five A Day at Beechwood It was several days before Peggy recovered from the effect of her over ambitious beginning. She was stiff and sore, her knees were unwilling to bend, and her backbone, once bent, had difficulty in straightening out. She did her four hours' work a day, and found it enough, and more than enough, to satisfy her ardour. And then, just when she had made up her mind that the summer was going to be a hard fight from beginning to end, the stiffness and the aches and the twinges were all things of the past, and she woke one morning with her characteristic certainty that something pleasant was about to happen. Priscilla and Amy, thanks to their sensible moderation at the start, had suffered less than Peggy yet they had not been without the tweaking discomforts and the difficulty in stooping which seemed like a forerunner of old age but their unruly muscles finding that nothing was to be gained by making themselves disagreeable ceased to protest and did their new duties as submissively as they had done the old and then all three of the friendly terrace girls discovered that fun was perfectly compatible with plenty of hard work all three had speedily become favorites Peggy, to whom making friends was as natural as breathing, won her way to the hearts of all as soon as she was sufficiently comfortable to be her usual sunny self. Amy's dry fun never failed on an appreciative laugh, and perhaps she helped quite as much in this fashion as by her back-breaking toil, for where people are working to the limit of their strength, humor is a necessary lubricant, if friction is to be avoided. Finding that music was such a feature of their leisure, Priscilla sent home for her violin, and there were few evenings when she was not called on to play some favorite selection in this household of forty well-bred and well-educated girls and young women mag whipple remained an incongruous figure everyone treated her with painstaking and scrupulous politeness as the girls had become acquainted formality had promptly disappeared nicknames had come in vogue and there was plenty of give and take in the way of good-natured banter amy's plumpness and her love for sweets occasioned as much good-humoured teasing as if she had been among girls she had known all her life. But nobody ever took any liberties with Mag Whipple. Peggy was always distressed by the realization that somebody was being left out. I don't think it's so much because she's different, she told Priscilla, as because she has such a superior way toward everybody that wasn't born on a farm. It's just as if she were afraid that the other people were going to look down on her, and so she hurries up and gets ahead of them. Priscilla was not interested in the workings of Mag Whipple's mind. I think she's intolerable myself, and I'd be glad if she washed her hands of us and went back to her dairy lunchroom. It makes me provoked when you encourage her to hang around, Peggy. Why, Priscilla, I don't. Sometimes I'm ashamed of myself for not treating her better. Heavens, groaned Priscilla, and as a matter of fact, Peggy had nothing for which to reproach herself. As far as mag was concerned in two score girls peggy was the only one with whom mag was on anything like friendly terms but peggy realized that this was largely her own fault her overbearing supercilious manner did not disappear as the others gained skill instead her contempt seemed to be increased by the reflection that they could hope to learn anything worthwhile about farm work in a single summer look at me mag would say pompously i was born on a farm raised on a farm lived on a farm till i was eighteen and i don't know it all yet but this closing admission was only for the sake of emphasizing peggy's folly in hoping to learn anything of the subject in three or four months while the girls were becoming acquainted with one another and the foundations for warm friendships were being laid they were slowly getting acquainted on the neighboring farms there were a number like the hillcrest farm where they were glad to go and were sure of courteous treatment On other farms their employers were exacting and inclined to find fault and lost no chance to explain that the only reason they were hired was because there were no men available the morning assignment to duty had all the excitement of a grab bag for no girl knew till she heard her name called whether she would do her day's work under agreeable conditions or the reverse one morning about two weeks after her arrival peggy and a young woman several years her senior were assigned to work at a country place five miles from the farm the conditions being that they should be sent for and brought back at the conclusion of their day's work after the jolting little bus it seemed luxurious to lie back in a smooth running automobile and glide to their destination peggy confided to her companion that she had not felt less like a farmerette since she donned her uniform alice cameron laughed her agreement She was a young woman of twenty-five who had been out of college two years and had made a modest start in journalism at the outbreak of the war as she was desirous of serving her country in some more direct fashion than reporting social events she had resigned her position and enlisted in the land army the fact that she was a college graduate and had the air of being well posted on every subject frequently the result of even a short period of newspaper work would have made her seem quite advanced in years had peggy made her acquaintance under other circumstances but meeting as they had on a common level of interest and ignorance they called each other peggy and alice as a matter of course both of them had taken it for granted that at beechwood they would set at work on one of the war gardens which had sprung up all over the country as part of america's answer to the challenge of the hour but the extremely dignified lady who outlined their duties set them clipping the privet hedge with the lawn and garden as further claimants for their attention all had been sadly neglected it is true but peggy had not consecrated her summer to cutting anybody's lawn and her mood was rebellious but if she was far from pleased it was evident that the matron who was directing her activities was equally dissatisfied of course it is not to be expected she said resignedly that you will do the work satisfactory unskilled as you are but we have reached a point where we must have some one I don't know what the government is thinking of our gardener and our chauffeur as well are both in the service fortunately we secured a chauffeur beyond the draft age but so far we have been unable to find men for this work did you hear her peggy exploded when she had left them to themselves she seems to think that all the war matters is that she can't have as fine a garden as usual i can't think where i've seen her before alice cameron returned irrelevantly probably she has a town home as well as a country place, and I may have described her costume when she wore point lace and diamonds. Anyway, I've seen her before. They fell to clipping the ragged hedge, talking as they worked, and Peggy's sense of dissatisfaction rapidly grew less, overshadowed by the pleasure of this outdoor work amid green growing things peggy's hands were getting scratched and calloused as well as the color of tanned leather and her fingernails, for all her care were showing the effect of her unaccustomed toil but every day now brought her such a sense of well-being that she wondered if she would not want to spend every summer of her life farming they had almost finished with the hedge when a young man came out of the house he was dressed in white flannels and carried a bag of golf sticks the chauffeur evidently summoned from the house by telephone was in readiness and alighting from the car, he took the bag from the young man's hand and hurried to open the door of the automobile for him to enter. But the young man was not quite ready for the automobile. His eyes ran along the hedge, and he frowned. He would not have been good-looking, even if he had given himself the advantage of a pleasant expression, Peggy thought, being altogether too plump and round, with yellow eyelashes that looked white against his pink skin. But when he frowned, he was distinctly ugly. Here you he exclaimed addressing peggy who happened to be the nearer of the two girls you haven't got that straight why don't they send help who know what they're about the criticism would have disappointed peggy even if it had been expressed more courteously for she had been flattering herself that the hedge looked as if it had been manicured by professionals instead of by two girls undertaking the work for the first time but the insolence of the speaker so aroused her indignation that she lost all interest in her work and faced him with level angry eyes i suppose they sent us for the same reason you hired us she said pointedly because there was nobody else upon my word said the young man and he stared at her his frown was replaced by a smile hardly more prepossessing peggy was a pretty girl and flushed by indignation she looked prettier than usual the young man, with the light eyelashes, seemed to appreciate this fact. Ah, oh, well, he said carelessly, no need to fly off the handle. I suppose nowadays an employer hasn't even the right to say that those who work for him have done a bum job. I, for one, never expected to do work of this sort, said Peggy. There are more important things just now than trimming hedges. Her earlier sense of injury returned in full force. If our work isn't satisfactory, she added, my friend and i are perfectly willing to stop right now the young man laughed but though peggy had spoken for her companion he did not glance in alice cameron's direction i say he asked teasingly do you always go around with a chip on your shoulder he seemed to have forgotten the hedge as completely as peggy had done and without waiting for her answer he followed up his question by another what do you think of the life of a farmerette it isn't bad said peggy not when people treat us politely and let us alone so we can do our work she turned her back on him and gave her attention to the slandered hedge the young man went away laughing as the automobile door slammed to peggy lifted her eyes and saw upon alice cameron's face an expression she did not understand though it seemed to her sensitiveness to betoken disapproval alice said peggy a little nervously oughtn't i to have talked to him that way it seemed to me he really needed to be snubbed. "'Peggy!' exclaimed the older girl, ignoring the question. "'Don't you know who that is?' "'No, do you?' "'That's Bobby Fitzmorris. I knew I'd seen his mother in point lace and diamonds. Of course you know his father has a big government contract, but perhaps you don't know that Bobby, though he's of the draft age, won't be called to service, because he's supposed to be essential to the business.' The automobile was now a distant moving speck on the level road peggy looked after it with a sharp angry laugh she was thinking of graham and the risks he would run of the possibility that he would never return and graham was typical of multitudes of others from wealthy homes and from poor homes all wearing cocky together all ready for service and suffering perhaps for death and bobby fitzmorris in his white flannels had gone to play golf she clipped away at the hedge savagely they ate their luncheon sitting on a marble bench out of the rose garden and when they were in the midst of it, a pretty maid with white cap and apron brought them a delicious-looking salad and some cake. She surveyed their costume with frank curiosity as she asked, Is it really so bad? What, the clothes? inquired Peggy with a twinkle. No, the work. Doing the same kind of work men do. It's not bad a bit. Not after you're used to it, anyway, added Peggy with a remembrance of her days of sticking tomatoes. Sometimes, the maid said in a little confidential outburst i get tired of waiting on table and that kind of thing i've got a brother who went up into canada to enlist he couldn't wait for us and then for me to go on just the same she twisted her apron and her pretty face worked as if she were on the point of crying they talked to her as they ate their salad her name was ellen goss she was next to the oldest of a large family and her schooling had been limited but whatever had been overlooked in ellen's education patriotism had not been left out there's another thing i don't like about this place said ellen leaving off twisting her apron and flushing as she spoke all they seem to think about this war is that they'll have a chance to make some money mr robert ought to be in uniform but he ain't sometimes when i've been waiting on the table and heard him talk i felt like taking off my apron and telling em to wait on their own selves alice who was considerably better informed than peggy regarding war activities for women made some suggestions to which ellen listened eagerly and when she went back to the house with their empty dishes the two girls exchanged glances ellen helps to even things up peggy said she's got patriotism enough to go round the family the lawn was so large and the grass so long that the girls had agreed from the start that it would be impossible for them to do any work in the garden that day accordingly peggy was rather surprised when they had finished luncheon to see alice go to the small outbuilding where the garden tools were kept and reappear with spade and rake didn't mrs fitzmorris tell us to cut the grass before we did the garden she inquired i'm doing this in my own time alice explained it's not for the fitzmorrises it's just to please myself she fell to spading a flower bed shaped like a crescent and at the end of the walk leading from the house to the garden Peggy she said over her shoulder. In the tool house, there's a box of seeds, vegetables, and flowers both. Look it over and see if you can find an envelope marked carrots. Carrots? repeated Peggy in amazement. You're not going to plant carrots there, are you? Alice gave her an odd little smile. That's exactly what I intend to do, she replied. You know I said I wasn't doing this for the Fitzmorrises. Much perplexed, Peggy went to the tool house and instituted a search in the box of seeds she soon found the envelope marked carrots but ornamented with a picture of that familiar vegetable calculated to awaken doubts as to the correctness of the label and then feeling the contagion of alice's energy she found another spade and aided in the work you don't need to spade very deep explained alice suppose you take the rake and smooth off this end while i finish the other i don't want to spend too much time on this peggy was glad to hear it she had a feeling that things would not be altogether comfortable if mrs fitzmorris came out to find them planting carrots in the flower-bed which had so prominent a place in the garden. When the spaded soil had been smoothed to her satisfaction, Alice took the rake and with it traced upon the surface a letter S, about two feet in height. Peggy, looking on in fascinated interest, saw an L, following the S, and then an A. She uttered a gasp of understanding. "'Oh!' she exclaimed. "'I see!' but alice alice did not seem to hear her she went on drawing the letters carefully with the handle of the rake till she had finished the word she had in mind then she stood back and looked at it with an air of proud satisfaction slacker do you suppose they'll be able to read it from the house she inquired solicitously as she began sprinkling the carrot seeds in the furrows which formed the letters Nothing would make me happier than to think he'd look out of his window some morning and see this staring at him in big green letters. I'd like to have made them bigger, but I couldn't in a bed of this size. I think they'll be quite big enough to satisfy the Fitzmorrises, replied Peggy, giggling a little nervously. Do hurry, Alice, for if she comes out to see why the lawnmowers aren't running, we're lost. The last of the carrot seed was deposited in the final letter of the obnoxious word and then the girls sifted earth over the seeds and pressed it down firmly with a board this done they returned to their legitimate labors and worked as rapidly as possible to make up for the half-hour they had expended on the crescent-shaped flower-bed it was a particularly hard afternoon and peggy's back was aching before five o'clock brought release but, tired as she was, every now and then she gave way to uncontrollable laughter as she pictured the astonishment of Mr. Robert Fitzmorris some bright morning, when, just as he was about to start off for a game of golf, he discovered that even the green growth in his own garden had been given a voice to rebuke him. End of chapter 5